You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, relationships, family, love, all things modern culture. I'm Mindy Chang and your host. This week, I'm so excited to bring a special guest here into my virtual living room. I'm in her literal bedroom, <laughs> and we're going to have a really great conversation today about an awesome topic that uh, I don't think, I, I just just telling her, I don't think exists anywhere, maybe on the internet. So we're, we're trailblazing and making history here. Um, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, you're just here to kick it with my friend and me. So without further ado, I want to introduce my friend who is a film critic and a filmmaker, Soyeon Um. Hello. Hi, so how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, so this week's feature topic is basically centered around your amazing short film that I just watched and like destroyed me a little <laughs> bit called Liquor Store Babies. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Like I actually, before we even get to that, I would love to hear more about you and so you can introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, my name is Soyeon Um. You can just call me So. I'm a film critic and filmmaker. Um, I run my film blog called So's Real Thoughts, which is also a YouTube channel. And I've been programming film festivals for several years now. And I just make films whatever, however I can uh, and just am uh, a big supporter of the film community. Yeah, you are. And I know that you've done like you've done narrative stuff. Which is essentially the same as like fictional, not fictional, but like stories, but mm-hmm. also documentary style, yeah. which I think this one would fall under, right? Yeah. Okay, so can you tell us, like, lead the audience into understanding how you made this short film, Liquor Store Babies? We, I watched it at, uh, it was the Armed with a Camera program that was mm-hmm. put on by Visual Communications, and they host the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival. Yeah. So how did that come into existence? So Armed with a Camera is a program where you have to apply, they get, you get in, and they support you financially and kind of mentor you through the whole program from pre-production to post. Okay. I've applied twice before. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I'm going to get in this year. Um, I'm not really scared of rejection. I don't really, you know, fear from that. So I was like, okay, this is my chance. I think this is a story that's really going to get get me into the program. But also it's something that's very important to me. Okay. And I finally got in. I pitched it to them. They were like, we love it. Now kind of like go out and make it. So for the month of January, I shot it in like, Two, three weeks and gave myself all of uh, February, March to edit it because I had to turn it in in March before the premiere in May. Got it. And um, this is kind of a story that I always wanted to talk about because I grew up in a liquor store my whole life. And because the store is there, I was like, why not film something in it? Yeah. uh, And kind of talk about what it feels like and how it is to be a child of an immigrant. But not only that, but of a specific liquor store. I feel like that's our stereotype is having like laundry mats, liquor stores, um oh my god, there's like one more that I can't re- really remember. Laundromats, liquor stores, uh gas stations, gas stations and yeah. Yeah. So and guilty as charged. Like that's why I was so into <laughs> the story that you created which is because my my family owns the dry cleaners. Mm-hmm. 
So amazing. We fit the stereotypical bill. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us the story, like the premise? Mm-hmm. So actually, so it was a challenge, right? Because it's a five minute it's film. O- yeah, it could only be five minutes. And when I think I was <laughs> talking to people about it, they were like, I don't know if you can do this story in five minutes. I was like, I know. But this is something that I feel with the budget that I had, I was like, I can't make a, a narrative. I got to make something like I got to just make a doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and make it on the fly, make it personal, and just make it, like, super raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mission so, accomplished, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So the premise is basically about, um, I like to talk about how, as a child of a liquor store owner, how our lives and dreams are cyclical to one another. Mm-hmm. I've also included in the story uh, my friend Danny Park, who uh, now runs Skid Row Coffee, and I feel I felt like our stories were so similar but so different mm-hmm. that I needed to include them in the conversation. Yeah, um, which was a really great choice because I mean it gives you something to bounce off of yeah. and compare and contrast. Yeah, which I mean honestly I would have been really riveted either way if you just chose to do only your family, mm-hmm. but I think it was a it was a really interesting choice to bring him into that to yeah. like compare. That's why it was such a challenge to make it only five, five minutes because they're like, how are you gonna do this? I was like, I don't know, especially with Danny's story. I think there were times where uh, my mentors. Uh, Milton, Lou, and uh, Ann Kanako was like, maybe you should just do you. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't just make it about me. Yeah. Because the story is so much bigger. Yeah. And the message that I want to get across is like larger than life, something that anybody can relate to. Rather right. Than just it being a Korean American story. Well, and I think the the great thing that you don't shy away from this film, and by the way, we're we're so, we're just strategizing like how can so get this short <laughs> yeah. film out into the universe because I do hope that everyone else gets to watch mm-hmm. it. Um, just because like I'm such a big advocate, the reason why this podcast I- exists is to get untold like mm-hmm. uncommon stories out there. I think all of them have a very special way to be universal in being specific, right? Mm-hmm. You're not trying to prove a point, being like, oh, Korean-American this, but that is your experience, and a lot of different immigrant families can relate in so many different yeah. ways, right? Um, and I, there are certain parts, and I want to, like, dive into, the, like, the story, and your dad was, like, such a great mm-hmm. character, you yeah. know, I'll say, quote-unquote, it was just him being him. Um, you know, my parents, we've had a different journey because it hasn't been my whole life that we've had this dry cleaners, mm-hmm. but it's been the last 13 years mm-hmm. um, where, like, my par- my parents have just been working mm-hmm. forever. As far as I can remember, again, that story is something that I haven't recorded or, yeah. like, talked out loud that much. I mean, we have conversations all the time, but I feel like this is special because yeah. your film gets to capture that in five minutes how you get the essence of yeah. being a small business owner. One of the first things that comes to mind that was really powerful to me um, was your dad talking about what he wanted to be yeah. if he didn't own a oh liquor God, store. Oh, it gets me, yeah. <sighs> so many feelings. And your dad just talks about how he wanted to be like a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of being like the jumping off point, how like you're having these very raw conversations and kind of digging into your dad's psyche, his hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes that can be a really hard conversation or awkward for any kid to have with their parent. Yeah. Right. Sometimes kids have that relationship where they can just 
you know, say whatever they think and what they feel. A lot of immigrant families, we have a lot of barriers, either language or just like the emotional maturity to to deal with all that. How was that? Is that something you had ever asked your dad before? Or was that something that was like brand new to that project? I think I was pretty nervous about it because it felt like, oh my God, because me and my dad kind of, we say hi here and there, hang out, but we don't really talk extensively. Yeah. So that was the first time we talked for a, I don't know. I think we actually shot for an hour. Well, uh, and yeah, we had to cut that down and I was so nervous about it. I thought it'd be a lot more serious. I, um, just had anticipated a lot more like a, like a serious aura. Yeah. Like heaviness. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I would cry and it would just be emotionally draining. But when I actually turned on the camera, and I think it maybe it's the presence of the camera, yeah. it was a little bit lighter, and yeah. uh, we were able to talk more freely about things. Um, did you have to like amp yourself up to to ask him that? Did you write it down, oh or like did God, you? You're like, I'm gonna go be natural about this it and was figure it out. So nerve wracking because I was like, I need to prep him a little bit, get him to talk about other things, and then kind of jump, go for the kill because the initial plot was gonna be, would you want me to take over the store if you passed away? Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. And. I was so nervous to even ask him that question. I was like stumbling and I was trying to hold the camera and trying to direct him in a certain way. And I finally asked that question and I was, I was like mumbling and whatever. And he was like, no. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Also because you're a girl. And I was like, wow, great. Let's just dive into that and like, your <laughs> sexism and everything. Well, it's not even that. For me, I feel like your dad, if I was your dad, I'd also say no because of safety. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think that's the first thing. And I think we were going to try to talk about gender dynamics, especially yeah, yeah. if I were to talk about Danny being in his store. But uh, for the sake of the time limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, You're like, okay, let's well. Let's make it very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for me is... I always battle with trying to achieve my dreams while trying to make my parents' dreams come true in a way. Yeah. And that's the dream. That's the dream. <laughs> it's like how um, do I how do I reconcile yeah. all the like big things yeah. I want to do, but also like make sure that they're feeling fulfilled and mm-hmm. like proud. Yeah. Cause like everything that they did yeah. here. Yeah. It's a it, it's a struggle that I don't feel like will ever go away. Mm-hmm. Um I've totally just embraced it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I feel like I'm like, I'm one of those like extra overachiever type, type A kind of chicks where I'm like, I'm going to use that as a creative challenge. Mm -hmm. How can I get exactly what I want (laughs) and somehow make that palatable to my parents? Yeah. Acceptable, right? Because it's not only like I want them to just accept it. I want them to like understand. Like, because to me, I'm not going after the things I want to do, filmmaking, and mm-hmm. like what you're doing. You're doing it because you believe in arts and storytelling yeah. and like the power of that and the impact that has across mm-hmm. cultures and the ripple effect, right? Yeah. And that's something that's not like you just want them to tolerate. Yeah. You want them to be like, that's my girl. Yeah, for sure. You go, so. I also think in the current community, you don't get that validation from yourself, but from the outside community. For sure. Yeah, and so I think once someone, maybe a Korean newspaper finally writes about me, they'll be like, all right, fine. Oh, yeah, the Asian newspaper, (laughs) the Chinese newspaper, Korean newspaper, whatever. That's like the, that's the milestone we all aim for. So until then, I think they'll be like, okay, that was cool. Um, Because I did. (laughs) All right. I, I showed my dad. Uh-huh. video and i actually shot him watching the video yeah you got a reaction video yeah, what was that like 
I mean, there was no reaction, basically. Uh, I think I was way more nervous yeah. of him watching it, and then we talked about it afterwards. But the only thing he can say afterwards is, like, great, this is awesome, but what are you going to do next with your life? <laughs> and, like, and now what? I just showed you, like, an accomplished thing that, yeah. you know. And I'm so proud of this. is so meaningful. <laughs> this is, like, the culmination of so yeah. many things. That's really, well, and he even says, and, like, I feel like I'm just, like, dictating the whole short. But still, I think it's worth watching because mm-hmm. it's, like, watching your father say that, the emotions behind it. That's what makes... I don't care too much about spoilers sometimes because yeah. I'm like, I, if I still want to watch it, I'll watch it. Yeah. So, FYI, is kind of like a spoiler. But he tells you, like, he wants you to do better. Like, mm-hmm. he wants you to do what you want to do. So, how has he ever said that to you before? Was that, like... I guess in... Uh, I think I better like, in oh, a sense, tears. like, financially better. Mm. Because you have more opportunities. Yeah. Uh, not use that as something you know to do start filmmaking because that's i don't know if for him if that's better right for sure yeah Uh, anything that's more financially reliable yeah well he was also talking this okay i was like like on the verge of tears the whole time (laughs) but he's talking about not being able to take breaks Mm -hmm. to work seven days a week and i feel like that was something you know i don't my parents don't own a liquor store but they work six days a week and they spend the seventh day worrying about the next six days Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and they go to church and i feel like that's their community that's where they my mom's still like cooking for dozens and dozens of people my dad's helping you know they're still doing something um and that part really like like struck all the feels Honestly, there was a point where he, he he was on that schedule of working seven days a week without breaks for, like, 12-plus hours at a time mm-hmm. for seven years. Yeah. And I, I there was a point I was like, oh, my God, are you developing some kind of mental illness? Because you, you feel very emotionally un- unstable. Yeah. And I think that might have been because he's working himself so hard and you're cooped up in one place. Yeah. And I guess I don't realize that because sometimes I would be there for four hours at a time and I would just like bounce yeah. and go on with my own life. For sure. But to be in that place for that long, you're it's very like isolating but also very stressful because you're in the thick of it all. Yeah. And... Definitely, I think... I'm kind of amazed how he's still emotionally stable in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he seems like such a great guy. Yeah, I think you have to persevere with your attitude and ways because th- these places that we've been in are yeah. so toxic and... Yeah. Uh, they're not really healthy. Well, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. exactly. Like, you're talking about physical space, like, mm-hmm. being, like, getting up every day at the crack of dawn. That's what my dad does every morning and goes to the same place. And my dad, it's different different uh, forms of physical labor. Yeah. When you're dealing with a liquor store, you have merchandise. You have stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then with dry cleaners that my parents have, they are physically handling loads and loads of people's mm-hmm. clothes yeah. not only that it's like they're dealing with machinery my dad does the pressing he d- they do unloading unloading they rack they like mm-hmm. and i've worked i worked in one i worked in a dry cleaners from the time i was 14 till when i was like 18 19 mm-hmm. so i know what it was like again i was a teenager so i was very like strong and energetic yeah. and i was only working there four hours a day yeah. um but they do that every day yeah. six days a week and they've been doing that for almost you know a decade and a half that reminds me i think i was talking to a cop that came to the liquor store once yeah and i think 
I don't know if it was like somebody who stole and I was like so ready to cuss them out and like so ready to fight whatever and they're like don't do anything because whatever you're doing Mm-hmm. Will affect your parents because they'll they'll have to deal with the aftermath, right? The retribution. That's... While while you just go out, yeah. and live your life, yeah, they'll have to deal with the custo- the same customers that come here while, that you mistreated. Exactly. And so I was like, oh my god, right? Yes, I. And really... that's like a whole other ball of wax besides the physical yeah. part. It's like you're interacting with customers yeah. every. And for us, like I think the part that's always like weighed on me is the hope and like knowing that there's shitty people anywhere yeah. you go luckily they they own a they own a dry cleaners in a place in the bay area where the people are very very kind and it's a diverse area etc but you know there are also people who are entitled yeah. and 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 kind of like to be honest like this is what my i don't want to speak on behalf of like my parents but i've heard stories from like my parents from friends parents fe- that feeling of like i'm educated mm-hmm. i'm hard working mm-hmm. I didn't come to this country to clean other people's clothes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, people can use those different... There are people out there who are nice to everybody and anyone, no matter what their status or socioeconomic background. But there are people who will look down at people, and those can... You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's that interaction that I have, in the back of my mind, just, like, prayed that people are not assholes. You know? Like, you... You better respect my family. Mm-hmm. But also, I also know my dad can be temperamental. Like, he's also yeah. had, like, bad conversations because he's an aeronautical engineer major mm-hmm. who was oh, wow. supposed to work on fighter jets, you know. And, like, it was in the Reagan administration. Things got frozen. That changed our life forever. But, like, he he used to own a computer company, like a board assembly wow. company. And, like, again, this is all when I was young. So it's, like, all a little bit of a blur and mm-hmm. like, understanding but, like, going from that, transitioning from that to, like, owning a business, yeah, there are definitely perks to yeah. that, right? Like, you own a business, so, like, there's autonomy mm-hmm. and, like, all that stuff. You're not working for the man. Yeah. But there's a whole other whole, set yeah, of rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does your dad, like, did your dad ever reflect on that with you? Like, does he go in-depth about that? Because my dad doesn't really talk about it. I observe. Of which part? Just kind of, like, his feelings about being... Like, when he was talking about wanting to be a police officer, mm-hmm. the other things that he wanted to do besides work seven days a week uh-huh. in a liquor store, did he ever, like, reveal to you I think his what thoughts I on really that? realize about my family, and this is not, like, shitting on myself when people always, like, oh, you shouldn't say that. I, I the ums, I don't feel like we're intellectuals. Mm-hmm. I think what we do best is, like, we just work hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think even if we wanted to be scholars, we could because our brain just doesn't... It's just not wired like that. And so we work to our benefit. And I think... um, I think he did exactly what he wanted to do, Mm -hmm. in a a sense. Yeah. Uh, Sure, being a policeman or a teacher or whatever would have been cool. Yeah. But at heart, I feel we're, like, hustlers. We're entrepreneurs. We are, like, go-getters. Yeah. And I think at this point in his life, he's very proud that compared to a lot of his friends who made so much money to him, like, I cannot believe uh, people have lived lives the way his friends have lived lives. Yeah. And for him to say, hey... I've worked this hard and actually own a store. Yeah. Like, I'm a store owner. Yeah. Whereas, whereas you're not... Uh, 
his, his, I mean, no comparison, but also it's like com- Korean community. You have to compare. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, it's part I'm of the, the only, deal. <laughs> I'm only, the, I'm the only person in my in my friend group who actually owns property mm. and have invested in other properties. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that because yeah. he came from nothing. He had no, no money. Yeah. How did you actually gather the money to actually have property? Whereas other people who have had so much more probably like squandered it yeah um, they've just like yeah instead of reinvesting or investing in themselves and uh i th- yeah at this point i think he's very proud of that i i'm i'm proud of that's <laughs> awesome yeah. you know and and it was funny i had a very sobering conversation my mom's kind of different my mom is just loves working mm-hmm. she she is not the type that would ever be satisfied just sitting around yeah. so she's she's been she's always hustling and since i can remember since i was born she likes to work. She loves, like, she's super bubbly. She's very hardworking. My dad is more, like, intellectual, philosophical. He has, like, very strong principles, which he doesn't always, like, stick to. But he has. And so he, I think a lot of that self-reflection and the analysis does stress him out yeah. a lot. Because he's kind of comparing. It's yeah. the same, like, what are the standards of success? And it was funny because we had gone through this, like, particularly rough patch at one point, And I was like... Oh, Appa, I, I love you so much. And I was really trying to, like, coddle him. This, again, my job is, like, the daughter because I have two brothers. And I was, like, trying—not coddle him. I was trying to reassure him. I was doing it out of my sincere heart. I was like, Appa, I have so much respect for you, and I thank you because you sacrificed a lot and came over to this country— and, you know, you have owned multiple businesses. You, you've you worked so hard to, like, support our family. Yeah. So thank you. And, like, I really respect you for that. And then he looked at me. And he's like, he told me that I was full of shit. Stop. <laughs> and he's like, Phew. and I was like, oh. But deep down, he probably went to the back and cried. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, But, well, the funny thing is that his response after that was what kind of shook me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Minji, like, when I came over this country, I was not thinking of you. You didn't exist. Yeah. I was 20-something years old. Like, I came here because there was nothing for me in Korea. So I didn't sac- – like, he's basically, yeah. like, owning me a little. He's like, I didn't sacrifice shit. Like, we – like, if there was something better going on in Korea, I would have stayed there. There was opportunity mm-hmm. in America. So I did, in my mind, what I was supposed to do. And then he also was like, you didn't exist yet. I was here for myself. Yeah. I was here so that I could make something of myself. Yeah. And so that actually really – changed the way I looked mm. at my dad because not in the way like if yeah. your dad's reflecting on like his own journey powerful. Wow. yeah I was like I would love for my dad to be like I didn't do this for you <laughs> like <laughs> okay thank you this whole my whole life I just thought you did it for me because you know? it's a burden too you're like okay <laughs> compromising everything because yeah. you did all this for me but I think even him saying that gives a little bit of insight to I, your your job choices I yeah. feel like he should be more understanding yeah. And you are doing it for yourself. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it's funny, and we've come to that mm-hmm. point. But it's also, like, as a father and his, like, knowledge of how business works. X, y, you know, whatever he believes is the right. And his belief as my role as a father mm-hmm. is to guide my child yeah. to ensure that they have a better life. Yeah. Yeah. His attitude is, yeah, you're... And it's because... And it's also... It, it wasn't, like, just his blanket expectations. Also because... I was pre-med and I was very vocal about like, I want to be a doctor. I had all these things. I happened to like 180 my own life. And he's like, where the fuck did this come from? But it was real. You know what I mean? So when I reflect back, it wasn't so much like he was trying to like suffocate me with his expectations. Mm -hmm. He just had his wishes based on the kid that 
I had grown up to be. Also, I had my shitty moments. Mm -hmm. I was very deceptive and a liar. And, like, my Me Too story is related to, like, living this double life. Like, dating an older guy that I should not have been talking to. You know, all that stuff. But it's also, like, kind of, they're all layered and interwoven together. Mm -hmm. Which is you and I talk about being Korean all the time. The the weight of expectations. Like, me having to live this, like, perfect life. Mm -hmm. Being the model child. Mm -hmm. And they're expectations are maybe like oppression as like trying to live up to being model minority mm-hmm. who knows right like all those things combine to this perfect storm yeah. of That's drama amazing. i don't know I, I always feel like i wasn't the best student and mm-hmm. i've kept my parents expectations super low because i never got good grades i was never good at anything my mom always loves saying to, to me like what are you good at and i'm like honestly what? nothing so no it's not it's not like Nothing she says offends me anymore. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Actually, it's really bad. But I'm like, honestly, I, I really don't know what I'm good at. Because, like, I can't do all Do you want me to be your hype woman? <laughs> <laughs> no, not like, like, um, adult things, let's say. Like, doing your taxes or, like, throwing up the trash can or when I don't do the dishes, like, ugh, what are you good at? And I'm yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I forgot. I guess nothing. I'm good at nothing. Whatever. Well, for for someone who's like, I'm super hippy dippy. I'm like, you. I believe in the power of your words. Oh, okay. Well, but like, but that's what I'm saying. I think that, growing up with my parents, it's like one year after the other. I'm like perfected at. That's a like, good survival insult. skill. Yeah. See, yeah. and that's and and that's why I wanted to talk to you because like I feel like there's different ways that everyone deals with being the liquor store baby. I'm mm-hmm. kind of using that as a term yeah. now. You've coined it as as a thing now. But, I'm actually going to give credit to Danny Cho. Um, the comedian, because he he had a sign made that, it, uh, like a neon sign that said liquor store babies. Interesting. Uh, and I was like, perfect. That's brilliant. Because we, we really are. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, I all of my short films don't really have catchy names. And I was like, this is one that I feel very, uh, is a great reflection of the short. No, it's well very, like, very catchy thing. Yeah. Very, very on point <laughs> title. So Props to Danny. Props to you for choosing and, like, grabbing onto that. That's a great choice. Well, I have so many thoughts on... Because, like, it's a very specific Korean-American thing Mm -hmm. because our stereotypes are the liquor stores, dry cleaners. Um, For me, I kind of, like, always zoom out, right? And a lot of the stories I have... And just... These are all, like, thoughts that are coming to me out of all the things you're saying. So Mm -hmm. you're such a great, like, thought instigator. But I think that... It's made me question and kind of defend, like, a middle-class, lower-middle-class mm-hmm. upbringing. Because the thing is, reality is, like, socioeconomically, I, I grew up very middle-class. Mm-hmm. I think at some point when my dad... It was really funny. Like, he owned that computer company, and there was a point where we were doing pretty financially well. Mm-hmm. But he hid it from us. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know. Yeah. He did not change our, like, yeah. standard of life. Because... I don't I don't know either I don't know what I want to ask him one day like why don't you ever tell us yeah. but it's also like I'm very very um I guess like loyal or defensive of people it's kind of created this pride grittiness like defensiveness mm-hmm. of like don't look down on me or mm-hmm. anybody that's what makes me irate and very like you don't fucking know what it takes to, yeah. like, live this life on your cushions and you're, yeah, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And it's a conflict because I want to have financial stability. I want to mm-hmm. like I want to I want to do so many episodes on like our issues with money and status yeah. and wealth because like a lot of that it comes down to this. Why will like how we can like dismiss whole populations of people who come from outside this country mm-hmm. to build a better life, whatever better means yeah. for families, work their asses off, provide services, pay taxes, like whatever, you know, learn language that they didn't grow up with. And, and like, I think that's what has pissed me off so much about the Trump administration mm-hmm. and like the current place we are in a so- in society, how I'm aware that there are people out there that look down on that. Mm-hmm. And I automatically walk out the door, like ready to fight them. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel that? Having other people look down on our community? Yeah. Immigrants or like, you know, yeah, being a liquor store baby. I personally, like to be completely honest, I don't even like admitting that about myself. Yeah. But I, I, think, I think it was it's definitely true. something when I was growing up I did not really want to say. Yeah. Also because I was growing up and was part of a group of girls whose family seemed like they were doing way better than I was. Financially. Financially. Yeah. Uh, a lot of their parents were like English speaking people and they had really great jobs or that's what they made it seem like. Yeah. Because of their house or whatever. How, why do you say that? Cause there's all layers of like, well, I think cause I, I don't like to ask too much about, I mean, I, yeah, I had a group of girlfriends who I spent 10 years with mm-hmm. and they've influenced my life in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a lot of my works are kind of influenced um, based on them. But when I, just growing up with them, I think just seeing how different we were, I, one of them did, their parents owned a dry cleaner, mm-hmm. but they, and other people, they were working in offices and it seemed like they were well off, but I'm like, are you though? Yeah. Maybe you just invested your money in like a nice car or a house and you're actually in debt. Like, I don't know. That. There are actually, so like, I'm not blanket saving because I'm sure that yeah. there are people who are very financially stable, yeah. but I know for a fact that there are several Korean families yeah. or Chinese, like other families that put on the airs mm-hmm. of financials because to them, that's their mark of success. Yeah. I came over from Asia or wherever and I can afford a Mercedes, yeah. but they're compromising their family's stability, ability mm-hmm. to eat. In, in exchange for that Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I, there were families that I knew that were like that. I'm sure, again, there's families that were not dealing yeah. with that same kind of conflict. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, that's it's so, like, in the, within the Asian community or within the Korean community, whatever, there's always that comparison. Yeah. I think, the, oh, so your initial question of if I am affected by other people, I don't really think so. I think just because I'm trying to get in this mindset of, like, don't compare yourself. Yeah. Because there's... It doesn't change your situation. Yeah. Uh, it only probably makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I admire you for that. <laughs> and I'm I working on it. And I think when I was growing up, I don't know if this is a just like a poor person mentality, but I always knew I I, I didn't know, let's say, that um, I always thought I'd be kind of poor. Okay. Like, I didn't ever think, oh, I'm going to be super rich. Yeah. But sure, I, I could have been a little bit more financially stable uh-huh. if I'm older uh-huh. and I had a better job, but I think just growing up and seeing how my parents struggled so much as, like, a young child, I was like, okay, I just need to be fucking good at saving money. Yeah. I'm really good at budgeting and uh, just getting money however I can. Yeah. And even now, I feel 
it's really helped me. Because you said, you a hustler, baby. That's good <laughs> yeah. for a filmmaker. I mean, yeah. that's a skill, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? To to not have everything can make you scrappy and resourceful mm-hmm. in other ways. And I think that sure. things like that, I would be very prideful on, like, okay, I can't afford name brand, all this stuff. Because, yeah. you know, I grew up envying. And I think a lot of the anger has dissipated. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to understand it, too. It's more of a give or take. It's like, I don't mind spending $1,000 on something. But, um... Like, I love coffee. I don't mind spending, like, $7 on a cup of coffee, which even sounds really ridiculous, but I will never pay for parking. That's just my, <laughs> my compromise in life. And my friends complain so much because I make them walk blocks and blocks and blocks. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm not paying for parking. I lived in L.A. my whole life, and I'm driving my car everywhere, especially in K-Town. I'm not paying for valet. That is just not a thing that I'm willing to compromise in my life. It's also about principle, not about the money. Yeah, yeah, Sure, it's only $2 in K-Town, but... Yeah. You're like, you go to three or four locations with a cup of coffee, bro. Yeah. That's my happiness. (laughs) Well, I think that's... Like, and I love that, and, and that's what I... Again, I get very, like, defensive, and I think... In terms of, like, the people that I grew up with, the contrast of, of places that I've been able to live. Mm-hmm. Like, for you, you were in K-Town your whole life. Yeah. And growing up in L.A. has given you that experience. For me, I moved from San Jose and Cupertino, which was a middle... It, technically, like, the housing there was ridiculously expensive, which I didn't understand until as a grown adult. Mm-hmm. But the houses were not great quality. It was just that area was so expensive mm-hmm. because of Apple, Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and the schools. So my parents, like paid out like so much money to live in a very small house so that we could get educated there and those are things that I will always appreciate for the rest of my life but I did not appreciate until Mm -hmm. I was older for sure and things like that just like understand kind of what is the immigrant struggle and what are the the stereotypes that hold true and what are the incongruencies with the whole model minority myth Mm -hmm. because people are still trying to unravel that to say Oh, all Asians or what? Like, that's how they'll interpret me when I walk into a store. They'll be like, "Oh, she grew up cushy with like, sure. you know what I mean?" With X Y Z. That's that's their interpretation, which is why I feel so passionate about showing the true stories, yeah. not story stories of Asian American immigrants of our parents, like what the struggle was, yeah, and I mean, why. It, it, I feel like when I am in places where. Uh, so, yeah, I'll hang out in Skid Row and I know how they'll look at me because yeah I grew up in their eyes very privileged right for sure right it's not the same kind of struggle that they're going for through, sure yeah but it's still some level of struggle yeah that I don't think I have uh the emotional capacity to like explain to them yeah because it's like what's the point mm-hmm. I don't really feel like I need to explain to you uh, that I don't fit into this minor model minority because I went through this. Right. Uh, it also reminds me of, uh, there was a screening at, of Andrew on Spa Night, mm-hmm. and somebody in the audience was like, hey, why would you portray a family like this who are mm, uh, kind of lower middle class? And, what do you mean, why would you yeah, exactly. portray what? So, and Andrew, Andrew was like, um, because there's people like this, and people live like this. And I'm like... I cannot believe that in this day and age, people still think a lot of Asians are all well off. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of amazed at that question. Yeah. Um, but that's very telling. Yeah. And I, I'm just kind of, yeah, I was just kind of shocked to hear that. Um, I'm still processing. Well, I'm like surprised and then not. I definitely can see why they would think that because I think it's 
working against us that a lot of Asian Americans want to give off the vibe that like, yo, I'm doing really well. I drive a fancy car. Yeah. I have a huge house. Yeah. Because of that superficial aspect. For sure. I think they're like, all right, they're well off. But deep down inside, they're probably like dealing with gambling problems mm-hmm. and debt and all this other stuff. That- Cue Tiffany Shu, yeah. who made her short film about a mother with a gambling problem. Mm-hmm. And why, like, I think, like, a bulk of the gamblers at any given day in the casinos in the States are, are all Asian. Asian. Yeah. You know? There's, like, a, there's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And also what I was realizing, too, in, you know, in being in, in Asian America for the last, like, not in Asian America. I've been here my whole life. But, like, working in that specific universe and hearing the breadth of stories because my experience was colored mainly by being Korean-American. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding, like, how much privilege goes to even, like, East Asians. Yeah, for sure. Versus South. Southeast yeah. Asian, Filipinos. Like, every story is so different. There's, like, over 46 yeah. countries, ethnicities, cultures, in Asian America, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, it is problematic to blanket statement like a whole yeah. gigantic, ginormous group of people and then like represent them in such way. It leads to a question like that. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah, why would you do that? Because I mean, it, they're it, there. <laughs> I feel like even films like Crazy Rich Asian only reinforces that stereotype, but at the same time, that's so specific. Yeah. You can't be, I mean, you may be dumb enough to think like, okay. These people represent all of Asia. Yeah. But this is filmed in Singapore, and they're mostly Chinese. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, like, for me, on my side, and you too, like, we understand the business of it. Mm -hmm. What's commercially viable? Yeah. Yeah, flashy shit. And I would love to see that. There's... That's it's a good. I watched it three times so far. Did you? Oh my god! I I enjoyed it, and it's funny, yeah. and it's like it's not every Asian person. That's literally yeah. the point of it is mm-hmm. to kind of say this is one story of a jillion, yeah. And this is this is this story. That's I, it. They don't try to be anything else. I think it's that's why we need to have more stories out there, just so we can kind of level the playing field where we're like, not everyone is like this. A yeah, a lot of people grew up kind of not well off right and a lot of people struggle and, yeah you know and that's my also my own reconciliation with my upbringing and it's like not over inflating the struggle like mm-hmm. recognizing my privilege that i had my parents yeah they worked very hard and then they they chose to like put me like raise me in a specific area so that i could go to these great schools where like i didn't understand that not everyone knew how to type since they were yeah. six that was my upbringing because yeah. we my school was next to the apple headquarters mm-hmm. which i didn't know till i was 18 <laughs> was the apple headquarters yeah. i thought it was just an apple office because that's how dumb see like mm-hmm. common sense and you know intelligence it's kind of like a relative thing but like you know i grew up taking typing since i was six mm-hmm. and like that was normal because our school had yeah. a bunch of computers because so i grew up in k-town and i saw a lot of how other k-town kids grew up but i ended up going to a charter school Mm. which i was afforded a lot more privilege a lot more luxury Mm -hmm. of education field trips everything right we went to catalina to snorkel and all wow we went to the opera and stuff (laughs) yeah and so when i moved to torrance uh for middle school high school Mm -hmm. and i was like hey like why aren't we going anywhere? <laughs> um, you guys never went to the Getty like a hundred times. They're like, no, what are you talking about? You K-Town girl. <laughs> like, oh, See assumptions. It's, it's like it's such a huge contrast. Right. Um, 
See, and I feel like that's going to be the continuing thing. And especially as we like go through different chapters, like you Mm -hmm. being a filmmaker, you are an entrepreneur. You're not only a storyteller, you got to, it's a business, it's an industry. And you going through that gives you a different perspective on your parents and like how they chose to make a living and get up and do their thing day to day. In the short or in the, um, maybe I'll make extra scenes or what's that called? Um, Behind the scenes. Oh, scenes. Okay, okay. Uh, was, Featurettes. Yeah. <laughs> I asked my dad, I was like, do you think this working at the store or filmmaking is harder? And he said, filmmaking for sure, mm. because it takes a different kind of mindset and skill. And I'm like, it does, but I mean, in my in my eyes, working at a liquor store is just a lot tougher emotionally, mentally, physically. Yeah. Whereas, sure, filmmaking can drain you in that way, but you can leave whenever you want. Yeah, true. Whereas, in this store is your life. You can't. You have to only. You can only rely on yourself. And I think that is the struggle because I tell my dad, I'm like, let let other people do the work for you. Yeah. Hire somebody, please. Yeah. And he won't. That's my dad too. And so I'm like, <laughs> why are you doing this to yourself? Please take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, because it's not worth develop- developing different kinds of diseases yeah so you can help me survive right yeah right and like that's that's a whole other episode we should do liquor baby liquor (laughs) store babies part two but i think you know we were talking about self-care and there's a lot more there too in terms of what we learn just by observing Mm -hmm. what our version of work ethic is Mm -hmm. i think i've definitely been influenced by my parents you know, consistency, their ability to prioritize, we need to support this family. Mm -hmm. So we will not take vacations Mm -hmm. and we will do this six days a week. We will maximize our income by not hiring other people. You know what I mean? And my dad is still working those, he's in his sixties and it, that crushes me, especially when summer comes around and it's super hot. It's 110 degrees outside and he's working in steam, you know, he's steaming clothes and that hurts. Um, and but then I also like thank him for like I'm like if my dad can do that there's something yeah. like subconsciously like well then I gotta work that's in that's in my blood mm-hmm. like I gotta work that hard yeah so I thank him for that but then it's also a catch twenty two it's a double edged sword with the whole self care thing yeah. into like sometimes there's a lot of this like I have to work myself to the bone mm-hmm. a lot of our parents do that they do that for their reasons maybe they don't know anything else and they don't sit around watching YouTube videos yeah. like I do yeah, yeah, yeah. about how to like <laughs> meditate and you know I'm trying to send that to them yeah. so that they can like at whatever point even if it's from now in their 60s on mm-hmm. where they can do that so do you feel I mean I honestly don't know how they survive this far in their life without some sort of self like a self-care regimen mm-hmm. um maybe it, i'm sure it's different to them yeah but last year i worked at i worked at this job where i was working like 12 plus hours i was so stressed out like i was like i just felt like i was you were so stressed out you want to cry yeah those kind of moments yeah and that's when i realized like i don't really want to ever work this hard to the point where I'm hurting myself. Yeah. Like, I'm emotionally hurting myself. Yeah. And so I kind of had to, like, reevaluate my priorities. I'm like, okay, I need to cut, like, a whole shit of things out of my life. And I think it was the first time in my life that I was like, wow, if... It's not so much filmmaking, but if filmmaking ever made me feel like this again, I'd be okay to let my dream go. Because... That's big. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. 
and that also might be like a second part of, I'll get to that later but um so it, it felt like a really big moment I was like I have to change a lot of things in my life if I really want to take care of myself because as much as I want to hustle as much as I want to like go super hard I can't do that if I'm only at like 50% for sure and so even the a oxygen little bit mask is good enough so take even if your 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 schedule is so packed just taking five minutes to like meditate do some stretches drinking like lots of water yeah is better than nothing for sure and i when i see my parents because I, I felt so much better after i kind of implemented certain things in my life and i'm like okay i feel like you what guys did, should do that what did you implement as like for me yeah well i started meditating like five minutes five minutes in the morning, longer if I really need to, uh, doing some sort of yoga in the morning, only for a couple of minutes. That's better um, than nothing, yeah. girl. Props. And um, I'll go running a lot just so I can get, like, the anxiety out. And uh, I've upped my skincare <laughs> game. It's self-care, yeah. 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 So, feeling like you're taking, like, it's the doing, but it's also feeling like yeah. I'm doing something to take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Also because... I really wanted to get better skin, and now I'm like, yes! Experiment! <laughs> we should have, like, a beauty podcast as a result of the liquor surveys. Yeah. But that self-care thing is very, very, very real. Mm-hmm. So as much, yeah, like we were saying, like, we learn so much from our parents and admire the work ethic, and I think in the whole, like, marveling that you're doing of, mm-hmm. like, I can't believe you do this every day, and that you will look at your dad's lifestyle and be like, that's so much harder than what I'm doing. Yeah. And he'll look at you and be like, is you crazy? Like, yeah. no, you're that's harder. Um, I just love that that conversation exists. Yeah. I love that because your dad will walk away from that with a different type of perspective and a different attitude. I think after he watched my short, he yeah. came into my room. He was like, you know, you don't have to come to the store and stuff. And oh. I was like, that was in high school. Like, yeah, I was really angry. I was so, I had so much pent up anger that that's how I felt back then. Nowadays, I don't mind working at the store because I know that if it helps you a little bit, why not? Yeah. Um, it's not, my five minutes of uncomfortableness is not worth like your your sanity right right like Um, if i can alleviate your (laughs) workload and little by little i realize that because they don't take care of themselves i have to kind of do things for them yeah uh whether it's just giving them like a ginger shot or buying them (laughs) i say the golden thing out of that though first of all you're great Like, I love how we're, like, a hell of minutes into this. I'm like, first of all. But I think that's a really beautiful thing to do as a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helps you gain a respect and appreciation for your parents by in the doing that act of service. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, I feel like they've taught me. This is what I lecture them now. Now that, like, you know, mm-hmm. after you, you, when we're at our age, it starts where, like, you become the parent. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I tell this to my dad, too, because he always likes to give me advice, and I, and I hear him so much, like, more deeply and more openly now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just become a much softer person. But, you know, he'll, he'll give me all this advice, and what I, I say, okay. I don't, know, I don't, like, argue with him mm-hmm. back. But my strategy now when I say is, like, okay, appa, and then I go, like, and also, yeah. if you want me to do well, and if you want me to succeed, and you're, like, believing me, all this stuff, which, like, he used to not say, mm-hmm. but he says now, like, I believe in you, go do good things, go make mm-hmm. good films, whatever. 
I said, your job then is to take care of yourself. Like, I guilt him now a little bit. I'm like, appa, if I'm trying to, like, handle Hollywood and you're not okay, that will mess with me handling Hollywood. I need you to be good (laughs) so I can do good. It's like the whole oxygen mask thing. And, and my mom, too, because my mom hates exercising. She's always like, I'm walking around the store all the time. I was like, that's not the same, Mom. Like, mm-hmm. stop it. Like, things like that. I'm like, that's your job. Mm-hmm. My job is to sustain myself, yeah. like, so I don't need to come begging you for money, things like that, worrying you, having bad health, whatever. Also, take care of yourself. Yeah. I'm, like, begging them now. Oh. But I do it in a funny way. Yeah. I think they got a, they're getting a little bit better. My mom got diabetes last year, mm-hmm. and so I think it really like made her more conscious about exercising and her health. Yeah, eating, yeah. And that's bleeding into my dad's life, which is great. Yeah, we're drinking a lot more green juices. <laughs> Wins, yo. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, are you eating like really shitty? But then I realized because my mom's eating pretty healthy, he's pre- eating pretty healthy as well. So Girl. Like, okay, I don't have to worry as much. Yeah, because I'm like, you guys are just. I don't. I don't know how you guys eat like that all the time. Uh, my parents have like mad high sodium because uh, my dad's a smoker and oh like God. his. T- but like I'm working on getting him to eat coconut oil every day. X Y Z. I'm sending them YouTube. Yeah. I'm kind of just like being more of a nag mm-hmm. in this as loving like hi I love you yeah. watch this it's five minutes long. <laughs> but I think it's great though and I think your willingness to like talk to them I think that alone like that relationship will give them so much motivation. I mean, it's always very scary because we don't talk much. And then when we do, it's like, oh, my God, where did this come from? Yeah. I didn't know I can actually talk to you about certain things. Yeah. Um, there was, this is a totally different thing, but I talked to them about, um, like, anti-blackness ones. Wow. And it was, like, a huge subject. And I was like, I can't believe you were actually open enough to talk to me about this. Because there's, there's a lot of racism in the Asian community. And For sure. I don't know if you they acknowledge that or not. That's kudos to you for bringing that. (laughs) Again, like there's so many conversations that are not being had. So when I hear about any of these being had, whether Mm -hmm. as painful as they are, I'm like so scared. Props. Like keep, we got to keep having them. I'm forcing myself to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I talked to my mom about sex recently. Oh my God. Um, just about my relationships with men. Mm -hmm. Like I've talked to her about it. This was a few weeks ago. And it wasn't that bad mm-hmm. because she looks at me. She's like, you're a grown woman. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And like, but then like the former me, the one that still treats myself as a child. Yeah. That's like, I right can't now. talk to you about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to die. And then you talk and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so we probably have to wrap this up yeah. a little bit. But do you have, I mean, again, I, I just, I'm really thankful that you made such a great five-minute <laughs> glimpse into that life. I think it has definitely inspired me mm-hmm. um, to be more open, not only with, like, my parents, yeah. with other people sharing that story. And with myself, honestly, it made me feel so many things. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need to process all this. I'm really thankful that Danny Park... Uh, let me into his life and yeah. help me or let me tell his side of the story as well. Yeah. What I want to say, which is you'll see the short film, but it's honestly half the story and people are like, are you going to expand it? I'm like, oh, I mean, it's five minutes. Yeah. Like I, I, I almost don't want to like dilute the core message of it yeah. to mess it up because okay. it's such a great solid five minutes. Yeah. But there's so many extra uh, scenes that I would, would have wanted to add. Mm-hmm. There's one thing where it, Danny worked at Nike that was his dream job to work at Nike. In order to get that Nike job, 
after his dad passed away, he I think he felt this motivation, this fire inside of him. And uh, Nike was like, hey, send us your send us your portfolio. And Danny was like, you know what? I'm going to send you my portfolio, but I'm going to also, I'm not only going to send it, I'm going to actually bring it myself. I'm going to run from LA to Seattle or Portland. Yeah. And deliver my portfolio myself. Wow. So he did that. And it took him like maybe a month and a half. Wow. To actually run from here to there. He got the job. Amazing. And I think during that process of just living there, working there, his, his values changed and he was like, my heart is in Skid Row. I need to start uh, helping the people there in, in my community. And that's how he started Skid Row Coffee, which is like this amazing organization. And I'm like, wow, you've led an incredible life in just like the span of three three years. That's amazing. And yeah. See so many more stories. There's, there needs to be that movie yeah. or like a documentary made about yeah. that. And I think the, the core things behind that about family, mm-hmm. we're recording this on Mother's Day, oh, okay. the, after, the day after, but, you know, it's a love letter to our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an extension of, like, what legacy they are they are leaving behind or, like, setting up, but also where we'll take it. Yeah. I'm very, very proud to know you so because I believe yeah. your hustle, the hustle alone you know, people can talk as much as they want, but they're the people that do. The people get up and, like, make things mm-hmm. happen um, and know how to budget and know how yeah. to, like, call people and ask questions yeah. and, like, all those things. That's a really key factor in in, in making anything happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, applause yeah. to you. It was such a group effort. My co-producer and co-editor, Jean Reem, honestly, yeah, I don't Jean. know if I would have been able to do it without her. Yeah. I'm sure I had the story, but she's such a genius with... Just editing and just bringing everything together. Yeah, she's such a genius. I, I love her. <laughs> Shout out to Jean, yeah, who also worked on Save My Soul yeah. by Jason Lee. Um, do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Just don't stop. I always think about the mediocre white guys who've succeeded in life. And the only reason why they succeeded is because they never stopped. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the only formula. Be nice to people and just don't stop. Yes, and, I agree with the be nice to people part too. <laughs> it will take you really, really far. Yeah. Of course, always work hard, but you always just need that like extra drive that will kind of take you further than anybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. And I I am a proud dry cleaner baby. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've learned so much from from my parents' work ethic and their love and their commitment to everything. So to my fellow liquor store, dry cleaner, immigrant children, babies out there, um, we're going to be all right. We're going to do great things. I think uh, whatever limitations that feel like are there externally or internally, mm-hmm. it's all a figment of imagination. Like, yeah. I'm really just trying to be like, that's not a thing. Yeah. And if it is a thing, I'm just going to, like, go right around it or right through it. So props to all of you guys who are out there doing things. And so where can we find more of you, your work, like your clips, all that stuff? Um, you can find me at my YouTube channel, which is So's Real Thoughts, on YouTube. Or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, on Instagram, and Twitter. I'm So Yun Um with an extra S in the front. And yeah, I'm always, so yeah, yeah so yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'm always there. So hit me up. 
Yes, thank you so. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon, um, patreon.com slash first of all podcast. Thank you to everyone who's become a patron to support me and my work. Um, and you can follow first of all pod at Twitter and Instagram. And also, I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Shout out to all my fellow Asian American storytellers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five star review. Thank you to everyone who has been leaving such kind reviews. I'm like completely blown away and appreciative and inspired and motivated. All the good things. You can find First of All Podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere you find podcasts. Thank you to Martin Yue, my producer, my audio engineer, my right-hand podcast man. And thank you to Aquafina for providing her music, Yellow Ranger. I hope you guys have a great blessed week. Thank you so for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Proficient